For several decades in the Old Testament, God used judges to lead his people to settle matters, even to lead the armies of Israel into battle to overcome their physical enemies. One of the judges of Israel was a woman, Deborah. We read about her in Judges chapter 4. The children of Israel had done evil in the sight of the Lord after the previous judge died, and God sold them into the hand of Jabin, king of Canaan. And the children of Israel cried unto the Lord, for he had oppressed the children of Israel for twenty years. This is a pattern we see throughout the Old Testament. The children of Israel do evil in the sight of God. God raises up an enemy to overcome them. They live in oppression for a great many years, and then God raises up a deliverer to lead them out of the oppression and to destroy the enemies of God. We see this pattern many, many times in the Old Testament. As soon as the person God raised up to be the judge over the people of Israel, as soon as he died, the children of Israel followed after other gods. It was the same pattern over and over and over. But during this period of time, God used judges, raised up judges, and Deborah was one of those judges. We read about her in Judges chapter 4. The children of Israel had done evil. God raised up an enemy to overrule the children of Israel. And for 20 years they were oppressed. And they cried out to God. Verse 4. And Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of Lapidoph, she judged Israel at that time. And she dwelt under the palm tree of Deborah, between Ramah and Bethel in Mount Ephraim. And the children of Israel came up to her for judgment. At one point she sent a message to Barak, the captain of the army of God, who had delayed going to war. And she said to him, Hath not the Lord God of Israel commanded, saying, Go and draw toward Mount Tabor, and take with thee ten thousand men of the children of Naphtali and of the children of Zebulun? And I will draw unto thee to the river Kishon, Sisera, the captain of Jabin's army, with his chariots and his multitude, and I, says God, will deliver him 
into thine hand. So God had already told Barak to do this, but apparently he had hesitated until Deborah, this prophetess, comes along and stirs him up. Verse 8, And Barak said unto her, to Deborah, If thou wilt go with me, then I will go. But if thou wilt not go with me, then I will not go. And she said, I will surely go with thee, notwithstanding the journey that thou takest shall not be for thine honor, for the Lord shall sell Sisera into the hand of a woman. In other words, God was going to use a woman to kill Sisera. The story of it continues in Judges chapter 4. Deborah arose and went with Barak to Kadesh. Verse 10. And Barak called Zebulun and Naphtali to Kadesh, and he went up with 10,000 men at his feet, and Deborah went up with him. Now Heber the Kenite, which was of the children of Hobab, the father-in-law of Moses, had severed himself from the Kenites and pitched his tent into the plain, which is by Kadesh. Here is a connection with friends of God. This is the people of Moses' father-in-law, who no longer were associated with the enemies of Israel. And they showed Sisera that Barak, the son of Abinamim, was gone up to Mount Tabor. And Sisera, the enemy of Israel, gathered together all his chariots, even 900 chariots of iron, and all the people that were with him. And they went to the river of Kishon. And Deborah said unto Barak, Up, for this is the day in which the Lord hath delivered Sisera into thy hand. Is not the Lord gone out before thee? This is such an important thing. If God has told you to do something, then you have to remember that it was God who told you to do this, and it was not of yourself. And that makes all the difference in this life. So Barak went down from Mount Tabor and took 10,000 men with him. Verse 15, And the Lord discomfited Sisera and all his chariots and all his host with the edge of the sword before Barak, so that Sisera lighted down off his chariot and fled away on his feet. But Barak pursued after the chariots and after the host, and all of the host of Sisera fell upon the edge of the sword. Barak pursued them and killed all the army with the sword, and there was not a man left. Howbeit Sisera, the captain of the host of Canaan, 
fled away on his feet to the tent of Jael, the wife of Heber the Kenite. For there was peace between Jabin the king of Hazor and the house of Heber the Kenite. And Jael, Heber's wife, went out to meet Sisera and said unto him, Turn in, my lord, turn in unto me, fear not. And when he had turned in unto her into the tent, she covered him with a mantle. She appears to be in support of Sisera, but she's going to kill him. Verse 19, And he said unto her, Give me, I pray thee, a little water to drink, for I am thirsty. And she opened a bottle of milk and gave him drink and covered him. Again he said unto her, Stand in the door of the tent, and it shall be when any man doth come and inquire of thee and say, Is there any man here that thou shalt say no? Verse 21, Then Jael, Haber's wife, took a nail of the tent and took an hammer in her hand and went softly to Sisera and smote the nail into his temple and fastened it to the ground, for he was fast asleep and weary, so he died. Here's this woman who ends up killing this captain of the armies of the enemies of Israel. Verse 22, And behold, as Barak, the captain of the army of Israel, pursued Sisera, Jael, Heber's wife, came out to meet him and said unto him, Come, and I will show thee the man whom thou seekest. And when he came into her tent, behold, Sisera lay dead, and the nail was in his temple. So God subdued on that day Jabin, the king of Canaan, before the children of Israel. And the hand of the children of Israel prospered and prevailed against Jabin, the king of Canaan, until they had destroyed Jabin, king of Canaan. We see the children of Israel make the same error over and over throughout the Old Testament. God told them they could not live among the inhabitants of the nations of men. But they tried to be friends and even intermarry with the nations of men. In Numbers 33:55, God said, But if ye will not drive out the inhabitants of the land from before you, then it shall come to pass that those which ye let remain of them shall be pricks in your eyes and thorns in your sides, and shall vex you in the land wherein ye dwell. 
when the people of God try to dwell among the nations of the world, they are continually grieved by seeing and hearing those things the worldly people do. It just doesn't work. In Psalm 81, 9, God said, There shall be no strange God be in thee, neither shalt thou worship any strange God. But God warned his people that the nations of this world would end up pulling them away from him. And that's true. You get around worldly people, and all of a sudden, you don't want to speak things of God. You get around a person who has the Spirit of God, and you rejoice because you're free to speak things of God. It's just totally different. In 1 Kings 11, God warned Solomon about the strange women. But Solomon didn't believe the warning. 1 Kings 11 verse 1, But King Solomon loved many strange women, together with the daughter of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Zidonites, and Hittites, of the nations concerning which the Lord had said unto the children of Israel, Ye shall not go into them, neither shall they come into you. For surely they will turn away your heart after their gods. But Solomon clave unto these in love. The children of Israel turned from the commandments given them by God and did in the ways of the people around them. These things happened to them, Paul says, as a warning for us. The prophet, I believe Amos it was, said, Can two walk together except they be agreed? James said to us, Those who would be the friends of the world are the enemies of God. We read that in the book of James, chapter 4, verse 4. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, says James, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever, therefore, will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. I had a shocking experience happen to me. A woman in our neighborhood asked me, do you support gays and lesbians? And I was so shocked. I said, no, I don't think so. Later, I wrote her a letter and explained what God has to say about the subject of homosexuals and lesbians. I sent her the scripture from Romans chapter 1, and I told her that I am a Christian. I belong to God, and 
because of the Bible, I know what God has to say about homosexuals and lesbians. And no, I do not assist them or support them. Romans chapter 1, verse 26. By this scripture, we see God's view of homosexuals and lesbians. For this cause, God gave them up unto vile affections. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men leaving the natural use of the woman burned in their lust one toward another, men with men working that which is unseemly and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meat. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. God calls it vile affections. Romans chapter 1, verses 26 through 28. We as Christians conform ourselves to that which is written in the New Testament Bible, knowing it shows us the way God thinks about the subject at hand. And we conform to that opinion which is expressed in the Bible showing the will of God. For all scripture is inspired by God, says the Apostle Paul, and is profitable to us for doctrine, so that we know what to do, for reproof, for correction, that the man of God may be truly furnished unto all good works. We read that in Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. All scripture is inspired by God and is profitable to us so that we will know how to conduct ourselves on this earth. So we go by what we read in the Bible and conform to that. And the Apostle Paul says to us in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, to the thinking of this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind to the Holy Bible, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And after we are born again, we have a desire to know the will of God. We have a desire to know the way of God. We want to read the Bible. We want to know what God says about the issues 
that pertain to this present life. And we want to follow God when we belong to God. For now we are Christians and no longer the pagans that we were before we were born again. Everything is different now. And we know the will of God by the Spirit of God which dwells in us who shows us spiritual things from the Holy Bible. And we pray asking God for his wisdom and committing the problems of this life to God, asking for his help. And he helps us by the Holy Spirit who lives in us, who shows us the way of God, which is opposite from the way of the world. Thank you for allowing me to share with you today.